Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Merry holidays. Hi, everybody. This is, uh, of course, uh, Bob from 25 Years Podcast, and I'm accompanied with Mike. Hey, 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 hey. Also from the same group. So anyway, um, we're <laughs> I just being weird. We never get the intros feeling typical, so... Um, I kind of feel like we're an ongoing thought process that comes up periodically with a new pod for you. So we'll just keep that going. That sounds like fun. Um, we're talking today, continuing with Werewolf, the Wild West Companion. I like this a lot because we've taken more time to dig deeper in the books as we get them uh, to kind of slow the process and maybe get a little bit more touchy-feely with everybody. I feel our audience is well abreast about events, but events can sound like high school. When you go over when you're like, in a year or so-and-so, this happened. Boy, was it a terrible time. And in here and here, that happened. Boy, that sucked, too. But then you don't hear about the mutilations. <laughs> right? You never stop for that. You never really understand what you're getting into. And there's a way to pitch something to you, and it goes over your head. And there's a way it's just a quiz question. You know what I mean? That's how they deliver it. I like to get into it. Because, folks, this is ugly, this book. <laughs> this book is a good thing to do. Here's how we reviewed it. I know Mike and I, definitely me. I'll speak for me, Mike. You let me know if it was different. Okay. I got to some shit till I was like, that's not all that happened. <laughs> like, wait a second. You just you just turned a skirt past with just that. Hold up. Clickety clack. Oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. There's that ugly that we were dodging. But guess what? The company has to dodge the ugly, but they use it for entertainment purposes. Me, I was like, mmm, there's some other places you can get to in some of this. And in some stuff, they just punched you in the face like it's the only thing that happened was the bad stuff. <laughs> we don't talk about any of the things that, you know, why they had to do it or where it had to do it. And so if you're a young, impressionable youth or you're somebody who just, that's ah, a fictional book, let's read it. And then you read it. You ever run across barroom knowledge gamers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who act like, I read in the year so-and-so in a gaming book, it references this historical reference of some terrible tragedies that people did and blah, blah, blah. But anybody who didn't read that fictional book who had a history class goes, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> when, when did what happen? And then that person goes, well, I, I have a good, and they got to backtrack, right? They got to cite their sources. They're like, well, it was the Silver Fang tribe book that mentioned the inbreeding in Russia that created these. Sybarak, which were ancient Wendigo. <laughs> I don't got nothing. Right? But they don't say that. They don't say that. They just, like, reference, all oh, Russians are inbred past the ice. And you're like, what? You know, I've ran into conversations like that, where someone has it. Typically, it's in a giant group of gamers, and everybody has that social game of one-upmanship. Like, someone read so-and-so. Well, I read the most. No, but I also read the special edition book where they released. And you sit back, and if you're me, you drink this all up. I love all of it. You listen to the telephone game, and at the end of it, when the arguments start, and they will, I like to go, anybody aware that a fiction book does not trump research? Like, there's fiction, and then there's research. Then there's, I'm sitting in the same table 
trying to eat the same, uh, what is it, uh, orange chicken from the Panda Express in this small food court because you went to Chick-fil-A. And as you're eating your Chick-fil-A trying to tell me the actual history of Germany, according to the Geta Fenris tribe book, I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> blinking as you truly believe facts are facts. This book has to, this one today, all these books, but this one especially today, you have to take your grain of salt when you read this book. This book must have been very uncomfortable for, what is the term, cisgendered hetero white males with the spurse <laughs> of female population that added to the writing team. I don't know what the matrix was, but it probably wasn't fully balanced out, depending on where it went. And it's only because that's just the jokes that go around the tropes. Bob doesn't know. It's a talking head. I don't know who all was employed then, uh, and I, I didn't care to look it up. They're definitely mentioned in this book, but I'm not mentioning them other than cred credit-wise. Uh, because the book was done well, it's entertaining, it's put together well. It definitely gives you a taste of the Wild West. But I sympathize with the people who wrote this book, because how do you soften the actual tragedies and atrocities that were committed during this time? Can't be done. It, it can't. can't. Like, when you mention worm, right, I'm like, you don't even need to bring that up. <laughs> You don't. You, you, you want to wonder what happened? Like, there's no way. If you were a fly, if you were a lupus werewolf, and I challenge everybody to play, this is where you play a red talent game, right? Everybody's a red talent. We're all lupus, so we sit back. And <laughs> you invent the, the red talent version of popcorn <laughs> to just watch one group massacre and mutilate and commit the worst of the worst to the other for nothing so much as we won't share the bounty that we're on. Right on land, admittedly, we can't own. Yeah, that should blow your mind. Like everybody understands that. So we'll we'll get to that. But uh, the uh, well, we won't get to that. But that's that's basically the theme of this companion book is great artwork, solid information to wet your whistle because you could easily reference like we were doing and read the stuff that actually happened to go. Well, I'm not bringing that into my game, you know, <laughs> or 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 add more log to fire, make it burn, right? <laughs> Whatever you want to do, um, you can. But this is actually your trigger warning. I, I don't believe in them when you're listening to this podcast. I believe you understand what we're going to go over. It's fictional. But I, I definitely want to give you a trigger warning. There were some parts here that got my temper so flared in reading the actual. And some things I forgot about and some um, I didn't pay attention to. Actually, I could tell you. When we, when we get to it, I'll go over it. Other than to say that my education from two different parts of the U.S. completely deviated from when we get over to this, this historical period, which is why my Wild West I recently sparked a liking into Wild West history, literature, why a cowboy, and stuff like that because of uh, us doing the werewolf stuff, but then going, that wasn't in my textbook. No, no, I was taught this, right? And, like, weird names, like... Magellan and, and DeSoto and uh, Jean Baptiste Point du Sable. For whatever reason, I had to memorize his name. It was stuck in my head. Fort Dearborn. You know, all this stuff clicked in my head as just random information for the quiz I needed points for. But then reading this book and going through it and then encountering it now in the modern in 2022 and going, do you wish to click more? Warning. Your atrocities on overload. Your teacher deliberately kept you in the dark. It didn't tell you what people were actually doing. Right. That's a thing. And when you learn it later on, you're like, I, I wasn't stupid. I could have got this. You could have told me how bad things were and what what sons of bitches. I can't believe this happened. Why? Why? Well, let's just say 
every generation has to get a certain amount of uh, go with the flow juice to keep a nation. <laughs> keep that in mind, right? So with all that said, that's that's my big introduction warning that Mike's chuckling through because damn well I wish I hope you can see us when this is done and understand that on video it's uh I'm smiling more in shock than anything else not because this book is so bad but because it's good but but just careful how many layers of the onion you peel back I'm just saying so this wide rarity we're gonna get the fun stuff out the way we're gonna get the fun gaming part out of the way the completely fictitious made up and understood werewolf part, right? So we're going to start off the bat with a tribe you've never heard of. That's right, kids, a brand new tribe. You've never heard of this tribe until this book, and you won't after this book. That's the good news, <laughs> right? Why it's the good news? Oh, if you thought some of the uh, other books were bad about racism, segregation, um, I, I can't stack enough isms in here to put this down. When you read this tribe, you're going to go, oh, that's fucked up. Like, wh why? Who did and it's not a shock why this wasn't popular, nor is it a shock that your storyteller probably tippy-toed around the Wild West campaign if they saw this and were like, I'm bringing it in. Um, let's, let's, let's start. Without further ado, I'll take the first one. <laughs> they're called the Enfilizos tribe, or the Wretched Ones, as they're referred to. Um, colorfully in the book referred to as inbred guru coming from Shadow Lord Conquistadors and Mexico Tenakin. So this means Conquistadors were coming into Mexico for the first time, historically accurate, right? Sometime in the 1500s, I think. And then coming with them were Shadow Lords. And what they did was they went, the Shadow Lords said, leave our kin at home because we'll find people to have indiscretions with where we're going. Indiscretions. What does that mean? Well, for you who don't understand indiscretion and like it, here's your warning. Pause for five seconds if you were offended at all by, by, by most uh, dark things. I'm going to say it how I understood it. Them Shadow Lords said, okay, we're going to go to this place that's new land up in Mexico, follow the sea and river. We're going to go up river, but we're going to rape along the way. We know we're going to get ours. That's what it sounds like to me. And, oh, and there's it. people there? That means we can go raping. Like, it's just it, part of the plan for the voyage. Now, let's understand something. They're not at war. <laughs> They're not at war at all. Right? They're, I, want you, I want to point this out. The conquistadors came here. They're called the conquerors, and they want to discover land undiscovered. They knew they would run into people. Right? Don't you, I've heard this excuse before. Well, when you're going exploring, you don't think there's anybody over there. You've never ran to people from over there, so therefore there's no people there. Um, are you stupid? <laughs> you must be, because this. where's your logic? If you're going over there to explore, unless you're exploring the intercrater of a live volcano. There's right, people there. There's probably there's people, people there. <laughs> Water, weather, rain, rocks, trees, most likely people there be. Right? It's that simple. They get here. They, they not only discovered there were people here, they, you know, they did something simple to start it off. Well, we'll get to that later. But let's just say that's the historical half. When conquistadors meet, they're called conquerors for a reason. They came to find resources, wealth, and lands, and, well, um, they weren't in the business of befriending the people they ran into off the bat. In fact, there was an era of intellectualization, so to speak, where they, they were comparing their advancements to the indigenous people. 
And if the indigenous people didn't stack up or if we, we were taught in school, oh, the indigenous people thought the conquistadors were gods. They had metal armor, they had guns, they were gods. And so they just bowed and granted them godhood. And that was that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they're, they're full of shit. I just want to point that out. Like if you were told that in school, you need to look at your teacher and go, eh, maybe not settle on one guy's document. I'm, right. I'm just saying that it seems far-fetched. So we'll leave that there. Um, anybody's a god when you're the survivors after your warriors get massacred. So that's what I need you to understand. So, so imagine that they're coming up this river and you're the warriors out there. And me and Mike, we're warriors. And we look and our scouts have reported, yeah, there's these boats coming in. They got these weird skin. They got this stuff that looks like a spear. I don't know what they have out here, but they're not, they're not stopping for nothing. And when one of our scouts got out in the open, they were shot or something happened that made it to where they don't seem friendly. And so the warriors gathered around shore and said, we'll meet them. We don't know what to do. But we're going to see what's what's up. Let's see what's up. It's our turf, right? Boat parks. Guys get off in a row. They got armor. And they look at the warriors and see they got spears. You know, I don't know if one of them had an adelaide on me. I don't know. If the, I'm not an expert in that. But they, they had some gear that was not up to snuff to what the explorers had. And the gun key stores were like, uh, who are you? And, and vaguely, they tried to do. And I can't even imagine what that is to be an explorer and not speak the language. All you have is trade and gesture. Folks, if you can see this aspect of it in your mind's eye, this doesn't go well. How does aggression meet aggression and end up in a calm fashion? And honestly, it didn't. There, there are countless tales of massacre this and massacre why, where this happened, and it's because the warring factions defending met each other and someone jumps on either side. It wasn't always the, the conquistadors who were off, but they do cite one particular incident that is considered the beginning of all this happening. And it was like 1519, I want to say. Um, let me see. I wrote the date down because I was so shocked looking at this. And uh, I had never heard of it. And I think it'd be important. 1518. It's Hernan Cortez kills the entire Otomi population of Ticoac, which is now, well, it's, it's in Me it's Mexico, right? That's, that's where it is. And, um, it's me not remembering it for a reason I write down the exact place, but it's modern day. It still exists. Uh, but when he gets there, how they see it is as they kind of came in, they were more or less, as it reads, we won't call it a misunderstanding because it couldn't be. It was an assessment of who they were and what they had. And, uh, well, they just took it. And it's because the, they resisted, well, what they were going to do. Because when you meet people who are not up to snuff and are considered subhuman, you enslave them. Um, me, me and Mike can nod our head. That, that tracks because that's what happened to Africa, right? They and people enslave them. So wait a second. Mm, this happened to Mexicans? <laughs> sure did. They're, they're Native Americans. Yes, they did. They're native to Mexico and part of America, you know, big thing. We know continents. So that's what happened. So conquistadors came over from Spain and Portuguese, Portugal. What am I? I'm weird there. They come over from there and they're like, we're exploring. We encounter these people. And guess what? Your land's ours. And the people were like, well, no. Okay, kill everybody. Was that everybody? Pretty sure it was everybody, even the babies we threw on the bonfires. Okay. Well, since that's everybody, this land's now ours. Put a flag. Tell the king. Build a fort. Fanfare. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's how it went. Now, I told you, how does this relate to the tribe? That wets your whistle as to what we got into to understand something. The Enfilizos tribe... There were shadow lords amongst them, conquistadors, 
and they left them some children because they're explorers. When explorers get somewhere and they find it, they then go home, really send word, and then, like, in the process of ships sailing in the night, um, settlers come here with some soldier protection or whatever, and they, they settle. It's time to chop down trees, build more houses, put more infrastructure. We don't live here. They said it's awesome. The king gave money. All right, everybody's happy, and our empire grows. Yeah. Um, that guy was operating under the assumption there were no other tribes, neighboring tribes that go, oh, I see what's going on. I saw what they did. Not happening to us. We could pick up our stuff and move. Mm-hmm. Some moved, some didn't, some couldn't. Rivalry, just keep that in mind. So the Shadow Lords, as the explorers they are, they came over, at least with the Conquistadors, they get here, they see some Uktena kinfolk. That's after they beat the shit out of the Uktena and drove them off their land. If you're wondering about that part, they'd more tongue-in-cheek put this as that was matter of fact. The Shadow Lords come in, and all the Uktena up and left, and left their kinfolk. And they would not willingly leave their kinfolk. We know that. It's the Pure Lands at this point. So when the Shadow Conquistadors came in here, they conquered. They indeed they conquered, defeated the Uktena, or drove them off, and they had to leave their kinfolk, and they raped those kinfolk the Shadow Lords did. And so the Shadow Lords imposed this terrible way of life for them in the aftermath. They because these the, the women have kids. That's what happens. And these kids that are born are labeled the Infilizos tribe, the, the wretched ones. And they are because of blood, right? It's not because they're inbred, although they try to state that that's why. It's not the reason. Um, you may think they're inbred, and the book tries to kind of wire that in. It didn't make sense to me, except for the fact the book is also written from the perspective of fictional character X telling the tale from the time period. And mm-hmm. so when you read it, you're like, a little too much of that. Like, it's crossing a wire. It says, Shadow Lords, Conquistadors, check. The Uptenikin, check. Those so, Guru and Kin mate from different continents. Why does that... Okay, so yeah, they're not referring the, to that. Where's the inbreeding? Where's so the, what the ref- where bloodlines mixing backwards? It's because we're from the modern world where racism shouldn't exist. <laughs> and we don't inject that here. And we're so used to racism being black versus white that we're not used to catching this point. And so we forget that you can't call somebody from Spain a Spaniard Mexican. They will lose their shit. This is something I witnessed in the modern. Somebody getting pissed. It was an American guy who never touched Spain, but is of Spanish descent. And someone asked if he was Hispanic or, you know, are you Mexican? Do you speak Spanish? He was like, I am not. (laughs) And he was so indignant. I was like, why are you indignant? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, like, how far off is that? Like, you know, he goes, you have no idea. I was like, I don't. That's why I asked the question. But what's the big deal? And then he went off on his diatribe. Basically, it comes down to the fact that Spain was more advanced. Simply put, Spain's more advanced. There was something about two original tribes they once were from two different places. And one went off and made Spain. The other one stayed home. And the one that went off and made Spain's attached to the rest of Europe with all the infrastructure and trade. So they get all that coming in, they advance more. And the ones that stayed in Americas were normal. They just didn't advance as fast because they had all they needed. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't living in an, an era where so many cultures were, you know, you know how that goes, civilization. Mm-hmm. So suddenly they're all savages. <laughs> they're all lesser people from day one between those two. And I was like, I'm going to do more research into that, but that's something I'd laugh in your face about. That's like saying people from Africa when if you're born on African continent and you come to the U.S., we're going to look at you as a second class citizen 
um, because like you're less somehow because you didn't have our advances. When that, that blows my mind, you're a human being. It's going to come down to your education, understanding, and communication, and I just don't get it. But this book helps you understand when you think like guru. Shadow Lords believe that they're this haughty talk tet, should be <laughs> leaders of the Guru Nation. You know, very similar to the Silver Fang, except Silver Fang are first up there, and those are the kings, right? That's how it goes. And so the Shadow Lords are like, we, we got strong blood here. All we were looking for was some nighttime sallies that we were going to, you know, these savages exist to be killed or to be raped and for entertainment, and then we move on. We gave them their life. We were nice. What do you mean they have children? And then they come back. You cannot be. And if they didn't kill the children, which happened a lot, they were approved by their tribe to execute the kids, regardless if they were guru or not. Let that sink in your brain. You're chattel or tribe. We need every guru we can. There's an apocalypse, like whatever. Okay, so you did this thing, but now you have to deal with the responsibility. Well, that's a lieutenant kin. Well, the lieutenant are considered lesser by your entire tribe because they couldn't defend their land. You come in and take it from them. You come back and see they're there. What do you do? And believe it or not, the Shadow Lords, someone had a heart because someone said, hang on a second. Lord Thunder doesn't agree with what you're doing here. Like, you can kill some of them, in particular if they're Metis, but, like, you came in and did a wrong doesn't even say it wrong. You came in and did an indiscretion. <laughs> so this, but the guru blood is here. Teach them our, teach them of Gaia and move on. At least do that. So they pay the barest of responsibility. They teach the wretched ones. Gaia is great. Gaia is good. Thank you for the food. Amen. They do that part. And then they kind of skedaddle. Oh, that's after they leave them with the um, Iberian Catholicism. <laughs> So they tell them of the Guru Litany, set of laws they never heard of until now. They tell them of Gaia. Then they flip around and go, oh, yeah. Um, here's here's Catholicism from the Iberian perspective. Know it, love it. Praise be unto Jesus. Bye. And they leave. This impact from so long ago, because that's the conquistador days, this book is giving you that history. That's where they started. But they left them feeling like trash. They told them that they were wretched from the beginning, that they shouldn't exist, that they're sparing their existence and they're going to live in misery, that you're all these things that mean you shouldn't be around. You're the unwanted ones. They shunt them to the worst parts of the land possible to live on, the most harsh, that only Guru could be on. Like, you're, it's hard for them to find water. Where are they going to find food? No one cares. Go there and die is basically what they did. But they're, you know, they're, they're werewolves. It's not so easy for them to just, well, die. And so what happens is this depression and fatalistic dark mentality settles in them, but not for the worm. They begin over one generation making their own idea of, of what religion is. And so what they say is, I want to make sure I get this right. Um, here it is. The worm is God. I'm going to let that <laughs> sink in. The worm is God. And Gaia is the worm's virgin mother and unwilling incestuous bride. That's right, folks. God decided to make a virginal mother to birth it, then raped it repeatedly to create all life, threw all life down there for the sole purpose to torment entities, in particular its own children, so its children can learn to repent and give proper um, 
what's the term? It's like proper worship, like proper praise. Like they knew consequence and all that jazz. It's, it's basically abusive upbringing, 100%. And they paint the world completely different than the way traditional guru think of it. How bad is this? Well, I could say that uh, my hat's off to the men of this tribe, not because I'm being patriarchal in any way, because I wouldn't do this. To me, um, rape is terrible. It happens in every capacity of atrocity when war's involved. I hate it. I detest it, it should, even when it's not wartime. I personally think you should be shot. They should eliminate you from the gene pool once you choose to do that. Just my take on it. Don't care what you think about me on that, other than the fact that you know, check yes for me when I will run for office. Um, that's the <laughs> that's the mentality I will always have. Um, Bob, we didn't kill anybody. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You completely forced somebody to survive their death because who they once were is now gone. And they have to become someone else entirely from there. That's what you did. So, you know, you should be just checked. X stop. However, seeing as I'm not in charge, no one voted me in, and this has existed since the dawn of civilization, we have to look at it for what it is. The men in this tribe feel so much for the Earth Mother, for Gaia, that they actually abstain from sex. They will not do it because it's offensive to her. Now, I know what you're thinking, Mike. Know what you're thinking. I'm going to say what I think might be in your mind. Maybe I'm totally wrong. You're thinking, but how do we make more defenders of Gaia if there is no sex? Yeah. Right, because you kind of have this imperative. They get the Catholicism, but they also get the litany, and both of those worldviews kind of require you to be fruitful and multiply to steal a term from Genesis, right? Yeah, yeah. But as they as they point out here, and you got to remember, there's not many books. There's no books after this that kind of mention these people. But from what they give you, you get the inference. It's the fact that there's such tremendous guilt that you're beyond thinking about you and the girl in town you're in love with. Like an example of that love would be a virginal love. Meet her mm -hmm. from afar, maintain her chastity, be all friends. But they, this is a patriarchal thought. Remember that. It's a patriarchal thought to believe that women do not enjoy sex and do not think of it as you do. What, they don't experience lust? Of course they do. They don't believe in consensual, so of course they do. That's the way they prefer it. They're not there to receive seed and birth children. Right. They have a choice. That's what it is. But they're also trying to nail home the actual thought process back in the day. Now, you're supposed to be married. Right. And then you have it. I mean, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that later on. But in the twisted views of these guys, um, it's literally I was born and the worm gave me my dingle. <laughs> right. Gave me that. So because I was born a male and I have that, I'm supposed to go around uh, raping people in existence. And I refuse to do that. There might be consensual interaction, but I still won't do it because it happened to our mother. It happened to Gaia and the worm did it. And if I, and if I do that to another woman, I'm doing that to her. And after all, do virgins not bleed? Hmm. Is that not a thing? And it's example of the anguish that one inflicts upon them. Do they not moan when they don't know what's going on? Do, is, is there not these sounds that come out that don't seem to be of joy initially? And they, they cite these as these first fearful proof and evidence that it's it is a is a bad thing, right? Because they're abused, they don't know how to successfully process these these urges and what goes on, and so they make it religious and darkly so, so much so that after one or one or let's let's say I wait, let me I'll just keep it to them. One analogous this: if one of them, one of the men, uh, is a Hamid, by the way, or who do this, decide that okay, I've had sex a couple times, I enjoy it, this isn't right. 
I, I enjoy, I can't do this. I can't. He goes to, goes to the people and says, Hey, look, we're tribe. We're all the wretched ones. I'm kind of digging this sex thing. I don't want to, I can't have it. There's gotta be, I need to be castrated. What? Yeah. Sacrifice yeah. for Gaia. Yeah. And so they have a nice little excerpt that I'm going to ruin for everybody. So I'll tell you now, because I think it settles it in stone. It's told by a Bonar who happens to have followed a smell and a rumor to find these lost ones because a lost tribe is a tribe found that could help against the worm. And more or less, he gives this retelling as he's observing this right. said, first off, there were a lot of people who were misshapen and malformed because this tribe isn't just composed of uh, this specific bloodline. They begin collecting metas. That's right. Word got out to other towns and other tribes that, hey, there's a place we sent all our wretched kin. You should send all your metas there too. Because they're, they're bastards. We don't want them either. And you just throw them over there. That was like a word thing that went out. And that's what they implied. And even in his viewpoint, he said the same because there's an unusual amount of metas being around here. And after reading their practices and thoughts on sex, we know it didn't come from them. So only way it made sense was this, right? So we have this group that he's observing, and they're in this, like, uh, I forget if it was a mine chef or a church. I think it was a church. They met at a church, and it came from all around, all parts, big amount of them. And uh, as they're in this room, there's this big, um, called it the chubby Krenos guru, walking around, talking about this dark kind of guy in worshiping right. He was really on edge to even see it. And it culminates when basically he takes a guy from the crowd drags him in and this guy's kicking and screaming scrawny one guys come over and he takes his handful of nails out of his mouth because he had nails in his mouth the entire time he was looking around the room that's how the big guy started it and the people in the room nail him to this cross and then nail his genitals to the cross as well and mm. this is this is the start of the castration then they pull him up on the cross in like a mock right as it's there um and once he pulled him up to do that, this guy loaded his guns full of silver and killed everybody in the room. He smoked everybody there with his guns and called it a day and said, I never want to see them again. And where you think that's harsh, and it is harsh, and it is brutal, you begin to wonder just how many other things that he observed before that. Because when they talk about the castration, it's like, um, you know, I'd go to you and I'd be on these dire straits and I can't help myself. I love her. We're married, but I just can't stop which means we're going to have kids, which means I'm going to birth people into this misery, which is exactly what the worm wants. God wants me to have offspring in this world so they suffer and we suffer and everybody suffers because we don't have the resources to feed our offspring and we don't have enough for mouths to feed now. Now we're going to bring more mouths in to feed. And what if our child turns out to be evil? How would they not? What if they turn against our ways? What if they don't believe in what we do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of fear here that's used to twist the minds of these lost wretched ones. and so. That's this tribe, but take heart. If you thought they were like some poor heroes to turn around and save, you didn't understand something. This company at this time, I'm referring to White Wolf. <laughs> um, my hat's off to them in terms of twisted thought. Because I thought that was bad enough that you have like this hell folk kind of group who were left in ignorance of themselves and who they are and of what they could do that trap themselves away from everybody as much as possible and live in severe, just destitute. It's, it's, it's actually kind of depressing to think about it. However, there are a ton of story elements that come from them. I want to state that in terms of encountering what one can do, rather to heal them or whatever, it's your game. And they're giving the seeds to say, you decide their fate right here at tipping point. But let's say you don't. They have a destiny. 
It's a terrible one. These people have the highest mortality rates against themselves, first and foremost. How bad is it? Well, they get all the way to a specific year point. Actually, that year escapes me. But let's just say in the future, way before we uh, get the idea or concept of a cell phone, um, they, they die off. The last one dies in New Mexico in a hospital having strange visions and horrifying prophecies. And uh, why they're in the hospital is because of terrible ritual mutilations they did to themselves. And they're the last one. So all their dark rites and all their ways are dying with this person. And the Uktena, that's right. You guessed it. This tribe finds the Uktena again. The Uktena don't treat them like the wretched ones. They're trying to get them. You can tell it was written as if there's a hospital for them. You know, we got jacked up from the Indian War, Native American Indian Wars. All that nonsense in the settling, the pure lands are taken. We were, you know what happened to us. But we're here doing what we can for you. And you got to turn over a new leaf, stop this. This isn't the way to be. They can't stop him. He's insane, so it seems. And so they write down what he says. And turns out they kept these uh, transcriptions in a mystical book called the Litany of the Penitentes, you know, which I believe is just Litany of the Penitent. But basically, it talks about this, the struggles to come, how to make peace with the coming apocalypse, to understand it. And a lot of theurgists seek this out and the guru here of it to better understand that. And that's an element to create a tribe for a whole Wild West game. To me, that's a whole seeded plot that's in this book. And that's the wretched. Um, there are tidbits and pieces you could use for it, but with a group that has like maybe three, four pages of its sum total, that's it. That's a lot of dramatic input and take for a group based on that that talks about just the the racial prejudice and racism of the Shadow Lords beyond skin color, right? Just boom, you're this. Well, we're all groom. Nah, not you. And then we move on. Like that's whoa, right? Because some reason get offenders got labeled the vile villains. <laughs> um, that's uh, I'm not saying I'm beating the drum for the get offenders. They have their fair share of dirt, but damn, it sounds it reads to me. It goes around this with reading the Fianna tribe and their open admittance that they were raping and killing their way across the West with the settlers to make sure their people got land. It was like, well, it, it seems it was a dark time for everybody, right? On all sides. And we'll get to that, but that's one group that's of the interesting, totally fictitious part of this book, which is good. Mike abominations, mainly because you're the cane bro. Um, Abominations aren't that interesting. They are just awesome in a really dark and terrible and anti-roleplay kind of way. Uh, <laughs> you get to be an abomination when you're a Garu who botches their Gnosis role upon attempting to be embraced by a vampire. Right? So normally they try to say, ah, ha, ha, I have captured my werewolf quarry and I will now create a weapon that is blood bound to me. And then they give you the fang and they give you the blood and you just die there on the table. Right. Um, or sometimes you die real, real bad, right? It hurts and you can feel the fiery blood in your veins fighting against Gaia's will to make you be a protector and you die a slow and agonizing death. But the Garu believe that when you are especially cursed or you've been especially dishonorable or you are especially wayward, sometimes Gaia will say, oh, no, 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 you don't deserve to death and a return uh, to my embrace. And instead, you get to be both. Um, there's a detailed explanation of like 
what Garu believe about these abominations and the fact that vampires kind of try to fold them in while still being afraid of them. And so they get to be super lonely. Um, but when you really boil it down, an abomination is a vampire who gets to add, or I'm sorry, it's a werewolf who gets to add vampiric disciplines and the rage to the beast and like a limited ability to step sideways. It's like they feel like they feel like white wolf had to answer the question. But what if though? And they said, yeah, sure. Fine. Here you go. Here's a way to play with it. Your, your werewolves can become vampires. If you just want to skip that difficulty nine gnosis role and, and just say it happened. This is play one of these until you get it out of your system and don't play it again. That's what, that's what it boils down to to me. And it looks fun. I'd play one. What did you feel about the mechanic, though? I mean, just to talk about it, maybe the first time you've done this, when it comes to rolling your gnosis at diff nine, it's not achieve the success. It's you want to fail it. Well, you don't want to just fail it. If you, if your air quotes goal as the cane bro is to become an abomination, you want to botch it. Right. Right. And the thing for me, again, just trying to be 100% objective about it. As a cane bro, there's no way I can crunch my numbers. I can get my stats to behave in such a way as to make a botch more likely. Right. Even if some, even if somehow I have only one gnosis, there's nine reasons why I won't get to play an abomination by the die. And one reason why I might. So what we can infer from the mechanics, you're trying to explain the spirituality of it, that no werewolf wants to become an abomination. Well, except for the three mythological werewolves who totally did, right? Well, the, the, you gotta understand this. It's assuming let's take 10 werewolves and let's roll with your gnosis of three to one. You're gonna botch right at a diff nine. You're gonna botch somewhere in there. Right? That's just sure. assuming, yeah. right? Yeah. So 10 rolls, you're gonna, one of them is going to come out bad. That's all that is, is to show that if, first off, what vampire group has their shit down so well that they're capturing one werewolf enough from packs? Like each pack, one down, ha-ha, fangy, fangy, lovey, lovey, bloody, bloody. And mm-hmm. boom, this is going to be a Burak, Gangrel X, whatever they're going to be coming back as, this will be fun. And who wants to deal with that psychopath? So I really think it is a good thing to point out. It's kissing goodbye the spirituality that you knew as werewolf in terms yeah. of there's no guy in spirit that's going to see you as part of the cycle, right? There's a whole spiritual deviance that comes from that that I think the world does capture, that it's better for you to blow a gnosis for an automatic success to die, to succeed yeah. and die than is to botch. But let's say, screw it, you botch, and you're going to keep the character. Some people do that. Here's that out. I agree. Throw that mechanic out entirely. And just tell your ST, I want to be the rare that does play an abomination, blah, blah, blah. Right? And if the ST is willing, so be it, there it is. But that's enough about the mechanic and what to become one. How do werewolves see abominations? Um, They're traitors. And not only are they traitors, they are like, werewolves see abominations like most rational people see Nazis. Like, they are so low, so abhorrent that it's more than just having to pity them, right? Or looking at them as a tragedy. Werewolves look at abominations as how could a creature born of Gaia with so intimate and close a relationship 
to her have ever become something so wretched and far away. And now I would counter by saying, where will we see abominations like Kanye West? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, ah, I weep for Kanye. You got it 100% correct. Uh huh. It's Kanye West. Like, what was he talking about? He has a problem with, with, with Jewish people. Why? And he's like, hey, they're all over Hollywood. Check the stats. And you're like, and? That's like saying there's uh there's Hispanic people all over Mexico. Like I'm not I'm not saying that, that that they relate other than there are people in a place in a land where you're not shocked that they exist. Like what are you getting at? And as you try to feel that out and you want to feel it out, you know, Kanye, what are you doing? And, and he, go normally, ahead. Normally for black folk, right? And I I know this has been said somewhere else, but normally for black folk, we see one of our own out in public acting a fool, showing their whole ass. And it's like, okay, okay, come inside. Give us a hug. We know it's bad. We know it's hard. We'll figure it out. Just close your mouth and stop embarrassing yourself. And we will help you fix yourself. But when you go on Alex Jones's show and, and rebel against his attempts to advise you to dial it back a little bit and instead turn it up and then Again, you're a black man who is ranting about his persecutions. How could you choose to align yourself with these persecutors so intimately? uh, How can I? (laughs) Well, what I'm going to say here, because to bring it back to abomination, not just Kanye, is why godly relate, because they very much do. Not to say that's wrong or not a noteworthy topic to riff on. It's, It's looking at it as, I think Kanye is so incapable of speaking what he really feels that when he's put on camera, he's disgusted at the way media takes clips of what he says, agree takes Mm -hmm. and spins what he's trying to say and takes what's really at the heart of what he wants. And people have to question them for entertainment. What people aren't doing is giving him a mic and just him and saying, if this takes two minutes or two days, speak what you're trying to say. And the only reason why I say this is because I remember it stuck with me because it was weird, right? But I was like, okay, interesting. What he said is, is that when a Jewish person does well, all the Jews connected to him do well. All the Jewish people, they come up. So if they find a good place and a good way to be, they invite the community in and do that. But if you read it, Jewish people by, by, by traditions back in the day were, uh, what is it? They, they, they traveled together. Tribish, that's what they did. It's kind of how they ended stuck together. It's, it's kind of ingrained in the community. Uh, ironically, that the whole world was. We were all like tribal Tribes. and community based, right? We did that. Um, <laughs> it's it's it gets screwed up when money gets involved, as always. But what his point was, Jewish people typically don't screw each other over when they do that. One does well, educate the others. Everybody moves up somehow, or they find ways to help them. However, when a black man in the hood does well, and he was referring to himself, he was referring to the music industry, hip hop, rap, stuff like that, sports. It is only that black man does well. However, when a black man's caught by the law for doing something wrong, all black people suffer. Hmm. Not only are they a statistic, all black people do this. All black men rape. All black men murder for money. All black men you can't trust. All black women are whores. The whole nine. That all gets thrown in. And it's like, okay, what's your other point? And he goes, ah, but if a Jewish man turns out to be a serial killer, it is only that Jewish man. Right? Is his point. Now, I would call this a simpleton's attempt (laughs) to kind of explain a sense of community. And what he really was trying to say, I feel, was that black folks have to rise up 
in a capacity that says that we got to stop attacking each other and create advantages that the Jewish people have laid out that can be there, even if you're downtrodden. They came back from a Holocaust, right, and found ways to be together, stick together, and help one another. Why haven't we? Mm. And our answer is only violence and anger and whatever. And that's the question he's asking. But but he knows you're going to lose a lot of people talking that way because that's when you get shuffled off to the civil rights movement and, you know, <laughs> others did it better than you and you need to get educated. And someone with a high hat and five degrees will come down. Well, excuse me, young black men. We've been doing this for the better of the days. But I'm going to point out to you is that there's an organization that got caught in the news for saying Black Lives Matter, but then had a big old mansion. <laughs> Whoops. Whoopsie. What happened then? Right. <laughs> so this this is kind of to his point. How is this attached to abominations? I'm gonna bring it back for you. When you read abominations, there's a select group of people who feel shame because you want to play them. And I, I, I admit this. I'm one of them. I've seen the conversation. Well, these are too OP. Why would you do this? Blah 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 blah. And it's like, have you read the story for the abomination in the Chicago by Night book? <laughs> I believe it's called Uriah. He's literally surviving in the dark through a through a Sabbat raid where he was made what he is, can no longer talk to the guy in spirits like normal. Only the worm ones are willing to talk to him at all, and he's trying to stave himself off from it, and he's trying to rationalize a way of life without committing suicide. Can he be good and still fight the apocalypse as he is, considering he has a chance to retain all the guru lore knowledge he has to this point, all that stuff that he can observe from afar from the guru? Imagine that. He can no longer be amongst them. And you have to be careful and watch them from afar because if their warders get sniff of you, they're all coming to kill you, despite the fact you were there to help them from the worst. And he's looking to find the worst problems and difficulties because he's the most apt to survive them now. And he could do that. And you can't do that. This sounds like a playable character. <laughs> it really does. But not in a werewolf game. So uh, maybe, right? Because I think you can get away with that guy if he didn't start that way, right? Like, if you come to the table and you say, hey, ST, here's my Bonar, and I want to play him like this. And here's his backstory, blah, blah, blah. And you'll have your campaign for six months. And then you get to the point where the character gets embraced. And y'all have that conversation. And it's like, well, we know how this is going to go. You want to really make this role or accept that your Uriah is about to die. I'm sorry. You know, he only lasted six months of gameplay. And then you botch the role, or maybe you don't botch the role. Maybe you guys just have a conversation and decide, okay, well, yeah, sure. I'll see what happens. Try to play this abomination. Like, you can get away with that if it's organic, I think, even in a werewolf game. Well, you're perfectly accentuating what I'm talking about, that Kanye feel the abomination. The abomination players have a message you're trying to get out that I want to play them. Yeah, they're powerful, but so are werewolves, so are vampires. But, like, in the middle ground, I kind of feel that maybe I could do two stories, depending on what game. I could ride the line. I can do it. I can make this work. Give me a chance, coach, to express what I'm thinking, what I'm trying to say. And unlike Kanye, you're not being paid like a, a billion dollars from Nike or whatever, Adidas, <laughs> and lose it because you make some asinine statements because you don't know how to be in front of a camera. You know, uh, that's, that's, that's the sort of thing we're talking about. And this chapter kind of opens up abominations and even in the Wild West and how you're just one more enemy. Uh, in the backdrop of no matter where you look. It's a tough gig, but if you want it, it's there. That's yeah. that's how they put it there. Now, when you say they throw it out there for the fans, of course they do. <laughs> right? It's, it's how it works. If your fans want something, you give it to them. Why? Because they're paying you. That's how it works. <laughs> right? Tired of people thinking that's a shock. 
Well, they only did this to make it easier for me. Well, of course they did. But, okay, so, but here's the thing. Here's why I say that, right? There's so many things, especially in the storyteller section of these White Wolf books that a lot of folks don't read. I certainly didn't until I started trying to storytell, where they say, here's this thing that's all for, over on its island by itself. But if you want to try this out, if you want to play with it, here's how we would approach it. We never get that, at least not that I'm aware of, for an abomination. I think mm-hmm. there's an entry about it in the uh, Werewolf 20 book as well, or maybe that's the Ronin section, or maybe it's both. I can't recall. But the point is, like, they just give you abominations are terrible. No Garu would accept an abomination. You know, here be dragons without saying, here is how you could implement this rare and terrible thing in your game. Like they eventually did for the Bali. Right? Eventually they told us how to get around to the to being able to play a Bali in a securitist way. They didn't do they, that never that day never came for the abomination unless we haven't got to that book yet. So what I'm gonna say is that there are there's something that they had there, it was like a Mind's Eye Journals. There's a lot of info and White Wolf magazine they had going around circulating in this time. There were a ton of ideas from fans that were being thrown out and circulating and deciding what to use and what not to use. Think of a creative price processing, right? We want to create these books that have content reason to get out. We know if we put powers and stats and new things, people want them. I actually think that's where this new tribe came from. Hmm. Wild West, give it flavor, get a reason in the companion. Here's that. And this is dark and it fits, but it's a little messed up. And we write it out the canon all in one. It's there and it's done by here, but it gives you a little flavor just in case you have a person looking to really have a dark, depressing time uh, in their happy pack. Um, there's, there's that. But if that's not good enough, abominations were mentioned. Now, you don't really get into vampires, right? You don't really see that. Vampires just leeches, kill, kill leeches, blah, blah, blah. But it's the Wild West. Vamps are there. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have that type of game out there. But we're talking how very vulnerable is that vampire if they're not gangrel. Right. Right, or some other type of what if you are? What if you're the adventurer who came out, cattle rustling, built the, built the whole farm, and you put 80 head of steer Dun, dun, dun. You know, they play the you know, best cowboys, best gun shooters all around, connections to soldiers, and the fort's not too far away. Bring it. I could defend the land. Oh, the natives are acting up. I wondered where my meals were coming from. Dun, dun, dun. Right? <laughs> what do you care? Super predator, town in the distance, none to bother you, and it's not in Europe. But, sabat. Right. Right? They're all over in this time. And they're, they're everywhere, technically trying to form. They're not as strong, but they're definitely wild packs out here. It's the wild bunch. But you don't hear about that in a werewolf book. Why? It's werewolf. Yeah. It's werewolf perspective. So the throne abomination has to be, yes, we are aware that the vampires are players that do have this. We want them to have interest in a werewolf book. It's a marketing play. It's to draw your attention. If you have one vampire player who's hung up on being a vampire but refuses to learn all the gobbledygook to be a werewolf, a shoe fit in is to make them an abomination. At the end of the day, they basically have wolf claws, some some blown-up stats that they could do periodically and some form changing, but the sun still burns them, and they need to find where they got to sleep during the day. They still got to do all that. With some other weird stuff you can pull on them off and on, maybe not even tell them over time until they discover how to do it. There's cool ways to implement it. And if you do that, sure, you'll have other vampire players trying to complain. But like I said, you have to have a beefier group that's going to be out here as vampires in the West anyway. You know, a little more wild. So at that point, the abomination fits in. What if it's a werewolf pack? You certainly can have that fit as well. 
The reason being is everybody's killing everybody for land, territory, and worse. Right? That's that's the thing. And that's uh that's the point. Yeah. And you you said that and it occurs to me they totally did release Victorian Age Vampire, which is from the same century as this. So it makes sense that like there's less emphasis over here because our vampire product is in another country. That, that's fair. Um But no, I guess I agree. It's just it, it it is a thing that I have noticed about <laughs> abominations in particular that they, it's just one of those things they never got around to. That's all. Okay. They could have. But, um, oh, oh, wait. So speaking of enemies, <laughs> this is only slightly a diversion. Do you remember the Stormborn, like the, the antagonist towards the middle of the book? Yes. The, uh, Bob. <laughs> Okay, let me back this up one more time. Is that like a genre of Western horror film that there are that they are pulling these things from? Because um, this... no. Okay, so but, but where? Finish it up. Why do because you think there's these? Okay, one of the villains in the middle of this book that for some reason kind of sort of gave me a feel of an abomination, even though they're not related at all, is what happens when a storm of the, like a spiritual storm from the storm eater lands over a herd of like Buffalo hunters mm -hmm. and they make a Buffalo hunter man hybrid that then skins itself in like suicidal depression and rage and begins rampaging across the countryside, looking for other people's skin to wear. Mm -hmm. Like wait, where is this stuff coming from? Or there's another one. It's a, it's a little girl who's like got a hole in her chest and pieces of her shoulders missing. And whenever she screams, it makes everybody in the area so passionate about defending her that they start hurting each other because they see him as threats. Like, where is this wretched darkness coming from? So what you're looking at is themed aspects. What is the Storm Eater? Uh, think, uh, think, think triumvirate of the three. What does it represent? It's some weaver and some wild it, taking revenge on the landscape it used to be imprisoned in. So it's it's the bane, right? It was a powerful bane that constantly fought the wild and was powerful enough to fight the wild. And it was yeah. able to eat parts of the wild till it got bound, right? It was dealt with. It took a lot to do it. Yeah. Then it gets freed up again, but it encounters the weaver. The weaver's coming through with the railroads and nonsense and technology. When the weaver comes and the weaver sees an opportunity. Because the wild's going to be in the way. This whole area is wild mm -hmm. in the West, right? It's, it's in power. So the weaver looks to make it more formulaic, to tame it. Because the weaver is always an opposite of the wild, right? Well, let me say not always an opposite, but let's just say um, the wild creates spontaneously and the weaver defines and gives form. Mm -hmm. That's like ownership. Behave, wild, behave. You could see that. That's like the idea behind it. But here's this bane. And Spain has been finding ways to eat the eat the wild and has been enjoying that snack. And it tries to rough and tumble with the weaver who binds it. Right? They actually fuse together, as it said. They mm -hmm. come into contact with each other. One's they're not one's not more powerful than the other, and then they, they adhere to a different thought process entirely. And so you want to say the worm corrupted that aspect of that. I would say wrong. You have a bane that has grown in power, feeding on the wild, that now encapsulates what the weaver's thought process would be, but it has the direction and the force and the focus to execute plans and ideas as it goes through. So as it's going through, 
in order to disrupt the wild and honestly the peace that they have there and the guy in defenders and anything else that's there they quickly erode the landscape destroying a lot but then creating and leaving things altogether adjusted that fit its warped idea of what existence should be for that entity at that moment of each entity it's like you said there could be there could be a hundred cattle only one of them turns into one of these things mm-hmm. why is that if they all got swept up in a storm oh that's because that's as it shows it randomly that's the aspect of the wild because remember it banes a spirit yeah if it's eating more powerful aspects of a spirit a spirit can become more light you are what you eat just remember that so as they're absorbing and destroying that one it's now a bane in charge with these new powers and aspect that are similar to what the wild could call to its own. Right. The only way to beat my enemy is understand its tactics, become my enemy and use it against them. So it's like this Bane is, it's like the weaver comes along to the Bane and says, Hey, I, I see you like, uh, I see you like the taste of the wild, but you, you play it in the minor leagues. Let me get you some upgrades. And the Bane's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'll take those upgrades. And it starts using the skill of the weaver to throw the wild's tactics back at it. You got it. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. Now, That's how you're thinking about it is because it's not meant for you as Mike to go, I get it. This is cool. Now we understand how to stop it. That defeats a villain. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no point to it. They're not trying to give you the new Bane. This is not the new breeder Bane. This is not the, the Fomori progenitor, and we understand how exactly it works. It's an entity that, as a Bane, was so powerful, it could only be captured. What was it doing before this? Right. That's the stories is defined by those who captured it. It's entirely possible, and as I think more plausible, that this Bane, its sole purpose was to destroy. That's what it was there to do. When you think it was there to end things. And so it was ending things where it was. And it was dealing with the wild because it wasn't everywhere trying to kill all wild in existence. You had to be a big spirit to get its appetite up, to get it to come go for you. That's how they wrote it. It's how it reads. But when the weaver comes along, different story. Right now it's it's unbound and it sees it and it goes right at the weaver because it said, you're the big spirit. You're now mine. <laughs> right? I'm here to end you. And and that's it. And I'm going to take what you got and I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. In many ways, it almost hints at the fact that the worm, if one aspect of itself could get free and seek to, and it always won and stays in dominant control, it would be serving its purpose as the ender mm-hmm. and would just be ending the things it should according to its means. And, that, and that's it. So, uh, because here's the theory. You're never meant to be the most powerful being in existence from the ground up. Right? Better said, or in a more Christian sense, there's only one God. Mm, sure. God would have a means to take you off the table. Think about it. Ah, it seems the Pope found a book that lets it become an archangel, and after that, he gets to become God if he beats him in a game of dice. <laughs> right? So what do you do if you're God? I eliminate the existence of dice. Yeah. Okay. There is no game. Why? There's only one God, stupid. Get off my playing table. Like, that's why there's, it doesn't compute, but it doesn't need to compute. For you and your game, Mike, you need to decide what that bane is. And if you can figure out the origins of that bane, define it. So that way you can digest it. But the mm-hmm. author's left it open-ended by giving you a theme to it. It knows this. Might makes right. Because it fits the whole of the Wild West. Might makes right out here in the Pure Lands. It has for every tribe in existence. And wherever it could, and there was contention between two tribes, you found this bane. Until 
their mystics went, Spain is a great evil. And it's the cause of a lot of what we're doing. And they were right. And they found a way to trap it. And that's the pure tribes. Enter the Utena, probably the Croats and the Wendigo as well. It seemed to be a group effort. Boom. It wasn't the only being trapped. It was the biggest of them, though. Mm-hmm. So when you have the warm comers get here, that's the European guru, and they come across and they're just killing and taking, um, that needs to make sense, too. A lot when we say that, I think people believe that we're, like, one-sided. Ah, these guys are black, they hate white people, so, of course, they're going to agree <laughs> with the Native Americans, blah, 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 blah. Let me clear up the air on some of this. That's, that's not accurate. What it is is that the, the worm comers, as the, as the guru even described them, their ancestors didn't know enough. They didn't know enough about where they were going. They didn't know that they were people capable and strong enough of the spiritual harmony that was in balance with handling their current problems. It wasn't perfect. But it was an idyllic area, and they were handling it well. But Europe was suffering its own problems. Everybody got a, got behind the king and Christianity, and we're all prosperous and growing. But in a time of peace, there's only so much room. We need to find more land, or we'll be warring. And it was already there. In Europe, you experience racism based on the fact of, actually, I wouldn't even say that. I'm like nationalism, right? The English had a problem with the French. The French had a problem with the English. Everybody can cite a reason. But really, isn't it because you're like next-door neighbors? So you can only get so big? <laughs> Right, the English yeah. went after Ireland and Scotland. Ireland, and Scotland, like, why? We're an island. Get the fuck out of here. You have everything else. Like, <laughs> go everywhere else. They're like, too bad. It's the queen or nothing. Eh. Right. We get the idea how conquest goes, and that's as mortals are doing it. So think of that concept that okay, we can't go anywhere. Wait a second. This just in. There's an entire continent bigger than all of Europe. It's Russia, Europe, and everything combined. It's so huge. Everyone from here can go there and still have room. And suddenly they were like, well, I'll commission a ship. <laughs> we will too. In fact, what about you, DeSoto? I already have two. Right? And everybody's <laughs> going to go over there. Why? Because they were hoping, ah, whoever's there will just, yeah, they'll join us. Why wouldn't they? Yes, <laughs> both. God wills it. We learned that back in the day. Everybody loves God. <laughs> and what happens when you get there? It gets all rapey and smallpoxy. And here's the thing. Like, I don't want to like surrender too much bias and like just pick a side, but the books do kind of sort of make it seem like the tribes that come over the land bridge in the like werewolf Garu forever past mm-hmm. approached exploration air quotes exploration with a very different like courtesy and care for where they were going. They made mistakes. But they definitely didn't come over on the rape boats, right? Like the, like the Silver Lords did many, many centuries later. Okay. Silver Lords, Silver Fangs, Shadow Lords, you know what I meant. So it, it makes me feel like either the European Garu were a reflection of like the people that they were born of, right? Garu were born. They're not made like vampires. And so... You know, culture changes, nations and people go through war. They got these techniques, war gets bad, whatever. And so that's just like how they approached exploring the Americas. Or something happened to those Garu to make them bastards to a greater Mm. extent than they used to be. So I think it makes sense because when you look at the tribal weaknesses that they list in this book, too, um, you begin to understand that they all have these issues, right? Yeah, and I think this is the first book where it's definite tribal weaknesses. I think they try to hold it and drop it all together in later editions because really, why? But I don't want to focus on just a weakness. But I'm going to target 
the most easily demonized out of all of them, the Geta Fenris. Hmm. The Geta Fenris believe in strength, not a purity of blood, strength to have the might to destroy the worm wherever it dwells, wherever it breeds. They believe they have to go out. They weren't exploring. They were killing the worm. We're going to go out. We're going to find the worm. We're going to kill it. We're going to smoke it because that's what we're bred to do. And only the strongest of us, and that's the get, and only the strongest of get get to have this honor to go afar to do just that. And so if your baby settlers want to come with, I guess, <laughs> right, that's more or less as the tribe reads. They were coming here anyway. The fact that you want to settle the land, whatever. And, and folks came on in. And when they came here, what happened? Remember what I said. I'm not demonizing the fact that, you know, I forget, I think his name was Cruz, whatever I mentioned earlier. The, the first guy who comes up here, I think it's Cortez, actually, it is Cortez, actually comes up here, runs into the indigenous people, and it went violent. I'm saying, no shit, it was going to go violent. I came here with the intent purpose to take what you have, plant a flag, and claim in the name of my nation, you're not from. And if you didn't have the power to resist us, because the whole point of an explorer is to encounter people they don't know, and you make peace if they're as strong as you. If they're as strong as you, now we'll bother to learn language, we'll learn trade, we'll learn to learn of each other, and we'll learn what of your land we can have and what of your people are coming to us to open up trade to hopefully prosper as a bigger nation. Because we know inevitably that'll mean a lot of us will immigrate over to where you're at and we'll expand our nation through through peaceable means. That's not conquest. That's, uh, what do they call that? Uh, assimilation. Mm, yeah. That's what that attempt is. Now, but what if I get there and you're weaker? Well, if I have no soul, <laughs> I have a very limited capacity to deal with your bullshit. So when I get there, your warriors are like, we're going to kill you with this spear if you don't get off our land. And, that's, and we don't know you're saying that, but your gestures mean that. Worse, you jumped and stabbed a guy with a knife because he took food off of your fire believing he could because he gave you something to drink and felt that that's what we're doing. That's not going to explore his worst nightmare, but that can happen. Well, what happens if you're that soulless guy? Shoot them all. These people stink. I don't like the way they eat. Why are there women naked all the way? There's no decency amongst them, these subhumans, these savages. Kill them. And so they did. And then they said, oh, look at all this land. We know what to do with it. Plant a flag. Tell the king, I have done my task. Can't be beaten. But then you're that other tribe who watches them. That's how that went down. Now, we're the peaceable tribe. Those are our rivals. We didn't intervene. We don't like those assholes anyway. But we saw what you did. You killed their women, their children, and their warriors. You wiped them all off the territory. You are not good. However, we saw how you fought, and we can't answer how you deal with that. So instead, we're going to come to you, and we're going to say, hey, can we talk? We got stuff to trade, but we have worse enemies who capture us and are sacrificing us in blood rights, and we can never beat them. And those Aztecs are right over there. <laughs> and you're looking for a city of gold? That's over there, too. All right, let's look for the city of gold. You're our buddies, whatever. You go around and do that, and sure, this war starts up, but just look at history from that point on. I won't rehash the whole tale, but we're talking from the 1500s to like 19-something and change. Native Americans have been persecuted in various massacres. And before you say what was Native American, do remember that if you were a settler that came over and said, oh, we were told this place is cool to be. We came with nary a weapon. We only have hunting rifles. And we're going to build somewhere near the shore, and we're going to wait to contact the indigenous peoples after we have something to share with them and show them we know how to work the land and give them our stuff. That was their intent. We're bringing the culture. God's great. Here's a priest. We love Jesus. This is awesome. Hey, <laughs> what do you say, native? And we're all killed. 
every one of us to a child is murdered. Not only murdered, scalps are taken. They leave mutilated bodies up in trees to say what? Don't come here. Don't come here. <laughs> Why? Because we heard the town over was entirely wiped out and massacred. So this is retaliatory. So on and so forth. And it happened, what, like 400 years of it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So much so. Let's enter the Buffalo Soldiers they mentioned in this book. <laughs> now, I know we've been going long, but I'm not going to walk away without mention. It's the only book I ever mention it. And it's only because there's one cool thing I want to mention. Did you know that of the Buffalo Soldiers, 9th and 10th Cavalry Regiments coming together in the U.S. Army, formed by Congress um, to be, uh, after the Civil War, uh, to be this cool regiment, they were named Buffalo Soldiers not by the whites, but by the natives. Because... The woolly hair and the, the darkened skin. I had never heard that before, but it does make sense. <laughs> and when I saw that and looked it up, I was like, that's innocent. That's like a child looking at something and going, okay, we call them buffalo men. Why? That's the way we see them. Why? Because they didn't say nigger. <laughs> right? That didn't make sense to them. They didn't care their skin was a color. They didn't even think about that. They just went, what can we call them? I don't know, but they got hair like a buffalo. Well, then they're buffalo men. Because if it wasn't the hair, they said it could have been the fact that these buffalo soldiers in the winter, because buffalo were easily caught by the cavalry, mm -hmm. and it was plenty of them, that they were using their skins that they were wearing in the winter. It was unique to them. So another tribe said, yeah, they're the buffalo men. We know them because they wear the buffalo skin. Mm -hmm. Now, either one, where they have the hair, where they have the coat, I was like, that's neat. That didn't bother me at all. It seemed innocent. Like, that's just a relation thing that just, that, that okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, and, and they took it with pride. They're like, you're damn right. So much so the regiment had a standard with a buffalo on it. So we like yeah. this. We'll, we'll take this. <laughs> now, where it gets weird, at least it got weird for me, is that they were formed to build roads. Don't know if you know that. To build roads and to um, send mail. I mean, I, I, I can dig that. Dangerous work on the frontier. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll get there. Right. <laughs> so that's that. Um, and then they kind of, because that's how I was told. The school was told Buffalo Soldiers was to build road and to carry the U.S. mail. All right. So wait a second. You, you took a bunch of Negro only and segregated them and put them on horses just to deliver mail and build roads. That's kind of bullshit, isn't it? <laughs> like, wait, wait, did the other soldiers build roads? Well, well, no, they had to defend areas. The fuck? Like building yeah. a fort, I get. Rome had to build a road wherever it went. Like, I could get behind if that would... Excuse me, Miss Teacher. Is that everybody built roads then? Well, they built really good roads. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, whatever. And I overlooked it. Then I read it, so I'm going, well, Bob, what they didn't tell you was that they were brought together to hunt down and kill Native Americans. <laughs> they were acting up against uh, settlers, and that, that was their point. Uh, there is uh, that other pardon? shoe. There is that other shoe. <laughs> beg your pardon? Wait a second, wait a second. Before the Buffalo Soldiers, though, were even formed, they had a unit that was mixed with Native Americans and Negroes. Why? How did that happen? Oh, it's because white soldiers got tired of risking their lives going after Native Americans because of the reprisals. <laughs> Beg your pardon again? Hmm. Well, that's right. You go at the Sioux Nation, the Sioux Nation responds, and they knew where we lived, and it was white people. But strangely, when it was Buffalo soldiers, they were like, ah, <laughs> yeah, darn. <laughs> and that's where it went. Well, of course not, man. There was massacres on both sides. And they had these guys all believing in, in the pride they were as a soldier, giving them medal after medal after medal for doing the worst duties assigned to the Army for them to make a living. And because they had to prove they were of worth to a nation to be allowed in the nation. This, despite the fact they had um, Mexicans 
that attended their military and a whole regiment of them since the Civil War. This is despite the fact that every 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 inch of this nation was fought over by minorities and mix because there's only so many Europeans that come across in a boat that want to go to war. So they're pulling from settlers and you need help from elsewhere. In other words, it takes a nation to defend a nation. Yeah. And so everybody's kind of involved here. So at some point, everybody agreed, guess what? We're all going to be here. But this book points out, might makes right, though. Whoever gets to make a choice is the mightiest that came up on top. So there were some shitty deeds all across. Like one of them, just, just to speak of them, there's a Native American chief I was reading about who basically uh, told his people, we come and trade. And it was like a Canadian frontiersman boat. I forget what the tribe was. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, you're trading? Hop on board. And they killed all 21 guys. All 21 <laughs> sailors in that boat died. They took their stuff and left. And it was in reprisal for what happened to the, to some of their people. Well, not even their people. They heard what happened to others. They had raped daughters, killed the men, and left. And so what do you think happened? Later on, there's a fort not yeah. far from there. And what happens? The soldiers come in, and they kill everybody. Okay. So the Native Americans come back, and they find out where their civilians are, and they wipe out a whole town, and then build a fake village to make it seem like we didn't kill everybody here for the sole purpose of anybody that comes up after this. They think it's their people. We don't answer the door until they're all in town. And then all the warriors come out and kill everybody and butcher them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, you literally create a prison environment, which is what I'm going to refer to at this time. It's prison. Except prison rules. No prison. Right? Yeah. That's what it is. It's like we someone's got to win, and that's what it came down to. And so you have to apply to order. And order came from a U.S. regiment military. And, you know, you had a Confederacy's Forum for Native Americans, all that. Read all that. But do yourself a favor for your game in this book. This book gives you an outline of be careful what you want to pull into it. But of what you pull into it, do it justice, read about it, get detailed. Don't just riff it like we're kind of doing here and kind of mentioning it. But we're mentioning it to trigger you a little bit to go, I'm going to look that up for myself. And maybe in my West game, I would run this or focus on it or do that. Because it is not all cowboys and Indians. In fact, most of it wasn't. And you got to recognize that. But do not forget, Mike, you mentioned the most important part, I feel, in a fiction book of this material, where they mention a chapter, there's a lot of evil they were kind of throwing in yeah. to, to, to button out the culture that they were trying to establish this here. This is a rapid fire time for growth and land grabs to just kind of get a people solidified where they're at. And so the worm has an element, has its place, but it is kind of overshadowed as this book points out, because in this greed, and greed is the enemy here, and there's many, that's not my wisdom, that's heard from many quoted uh, natives uh, making comments of that nature, that they're like, if you ever heard of that, the problem with man is there's a hole in him, and yeah, specifically reciting that. European, mm -hmm. right, and that hole can never be filled. And so they always want and covet, and that's their problem. And the problem is, when you think about that, look at uh, the U.S. and look at capitalism. Man, you're not wrong. Man, he took the, the right out of the capitalist playbook. We was just talking about the Buffalo soldiers. Swear to God, if you keep the working class divided against itself, they will never rise up and attack the ruling class. I think it's wise that they took that regiment, put them together, and decided to take remove was it one white leader initially, then remove that and gave them their own. Gave them medals, told them how great they were, tell them how educated they were, how wonderful they are. Now you're just like us. But they still dealt with their racist bullshit in rank. 
from the military and they point that out. It's filled with it. And then they turn them loose on the actual threats, the actual braves, the warriors and whatnot. What the other soldiers were doing was they would encounter squaws, <laughs> villages, you know, teepeed villages and whatnot in encampments. And then they would go in and slaughter them. And they were doing stuff like making vagina purses mm -hmm. or making gunpowder um, gunpowder bags of the scrotums of the men or the boys they found there. Mm -hmm. things of that nature. They were doing depraved things, claiming how badass they were against that. So if you were the warriors fighting the Buffalo soldiers from abroad and you survived that and you came back and heard that, there's that. There's even contention of Buffalo soldiers coming back, learning that you had killed these women and children in these villages. You know, and then they pointed out, well, we had you massacre them in the first place. So it's like, well, um, all I can say to that is, that's too much heartbreak for one Bob. I can't even begin to deal with that. You used a race of people that weren't you strategically to deal with them. And before that was a precedent that you were using them anyway, when it was with some Native Americans to take care of their other enemy tribes right along with it to mitigate your loss so that you yeah. can grow and prosper. To me, if you think about it strategically, you begin to get, I understand why you did that. Bravo to you. My hat's off, you despicable piece of shit. <laughs> you know, you got away with it once. Now, what do you have here? Well, you have left in the modern some very interesting racial statements, such as uh, a lot of black men don't want to serve in the military because. Right. I'm not fighting your war. They'll fight mm. when they believe there's a reason to fight. Right. But they're not going to do that just because you want them there. And then some agree to do it. And, then, you know, that's how it is. And I know how it is. I've heard everything on all over the side. But what I say to this is let's keep it fiction. <laughs> keep it Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a chapter about storms that we didn't get into. I realized how, how I didn't think we'd go that long in a lot of this stuff. So um, uh, folks want to hear more, let us know. Uh, we'll gladly make extensions and different things of the target. But until then, I think it's clear we really do like the Wild West Companion. Um, it is a heartbreak of a read research to build a game. I think if you're a player, it does very, very good at giving you digestible, mildly offensive stories and narratives to put you in the mood of the Wild West, depicting it accurately and playably. And you got two new, well, two new werewolves, I guess you could say. One is a bloodline <laughs> tribe. The other one is the abominations you can chew on as well. In addition, the tribal weaknesses are listed in this book. So um, with that, I'm going to ask Mike if he has anything final he'd like to say. No, 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 no. Uh, good purchase. Just Maybe pour yourself a shot before you start reading. <laughs> That's what I would do. And if you're Kanye West, get a podcast of just you. Everyone will turn <laughs> in, I promise, just to hear that. So um, with that said, thank you, everybody. And that's it. Catch you next time. Later. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and want to support us, please share it with others or leave a review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.